Welcome listeners. What you're about to hear is an archival recording from the year 2016 and none other than a warehouse loft in Bushwick, USA. The following audio may disturb or trigger you in more ways than one. Listener discretion is advised. Here you are in a Bushwick warehouse. You've got a table full of Modellos. Everybody grabs one and sits down, waiting for the marriage to occur. It's you and the Tinder boy that you've had four dates with. You've had sex with him twice, and one time it was almost good. <laughs> the priest <laughs> The priest is skateboarding the half pipe that is on the other side of the warehouse. <laughs> this is love, you think. So, guys, do we want to talk about what we just heard and what it means to us and why we're broadcasting it to the world? Yeah, so that recording was taken in my, what could have been mine, what may have been my own warehouse loft in Bushwick, USA in 2016, perhaps. Could be. Um, so, so you may guess that today we're going to talk about something related to Bushwick. And it's a phenomenon we've dubbed Mass Bushwick because we've noted that there is a specific culture that started out in Bushwick and lives, so to speak, in Bushwick, but has trickled its way into... Anytown, USA. <laughs> it could be coming to your city at any moment. And I know. It, it reminds me of, like, um, you know how in the Pennywise movies, or, like, the <laughs> they um, live in the town of Derry, but then Pennywise is a clown that comes to the sewers. That very much reminds me of like Mass Bushwick, because Mass, Bush- yeah. Mass Bushwick has like clown like elements in the makeup and styling, and right. um, very like, creeping through the sewers of America. It's like a viral infection that's spread through photo shoots only. Yeah, through like Tinder super likes, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. So, what are some traits visual or otherwise that we associate with mass bushwick and how can you recognize it among people you know and love and intervene as necessary Um, necessary. first of all everyone is a dj everyone's a dj yeah i think people like to call this now like the art school aesthetic you know i think everyone knows somebody that's like this probably more than one person Uh, it's like high contrast color palettes chains big shirt little pants mullets yeah it starts above the eyes you know early warning sign bleached eyebrows they'll come first you'll think it's like an editorial high fashion moment and then maybe you'll get a buzz cut or you will partake in a shag mullet of sorts or get a buzz cut and like dye it to look like a flame or a smiley face and and on any of these hairstyles they may be topped with baby bangs me thinks yeah yeah even in this year they any of these hairstyles may be topped baby bangs yeah little pigtails maybe like four of them four to four to seven pigtails (laughs) i think also your wardrobe starts including a lot of lime green and checkered print um you start getting a lot of chain belts wearing like seven necklaces and like five earrings with lock and key on them you start doing your makeup and neon palette, start wearing glitter, um, complicated, pointy, geometric eyeliner, 
Mm-hmm. Graphic eyeliner. Right. Yeah. One of the main things that can be seen across any visual media is high contrast and high saturation. Like you're thinking rave flyer or high visibility trip pants situation. <laughs> um, and then there's also a lot of like distortion or optical illusions, you know, like the type of photo shoot where it's like, a wide camera lens and the girl is like, sticking her hands out at you or throwing a middle finger in your face and her giant Buffalo London platform is the size of her head. Yeah, it's like coming for your neck. Yeah. A very fish eye lens vibes. Mm-hmm. Would you guys say a good recent example of this is Robert Pattinson's GQ cover? Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I think this is what started the idea in our minds to do this was because this editorial, he's wearing a white tank top, sometimes referred to as a wife beater. That is also very mass bushwick to me. He has these chains and like his hair is spiked up and he's baring his teeth, another editorial pose that is easily recognizable and there's weird blood and it's like grimy and in this weird high contrast style that is kind of abrasive but kind of attractive in the same way that things for babies are. Yeah. No, it's that's a really good observation that like babies absorb the world in like really high contrast, bright colors. It's very spoon-fed hot media. There's like no speculation as to the meaning or the intention of the shoot. That ties back into me saying that these people are all pennywise like in some ways because they're causing uh, chaos. <laughs> yeah. They are abducting children and eating them in the sewer insane clown posse clown core yeah i why is that yeah that's a thing i think it's because there was this youtube documentary about juggalos that like everyone i know has seen and it also i feel like mass bushwick kind of conglomerates all of these alternative scenes and is constantly referencing like scene skater vibes of the 2000s mall goths also like Mm -hmm. cyber goths and 90s club kid vibes but also I guess the insane clown bossy <laughs> um, because their whole vibe was very chaotic and hedonistic and they were like having sex in like a truck or so. it's very grungy the insane clown posse like ride around on like tiny tricycles or no I think that was a different clown bossy that <laughs> 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 was the sane one <laughs> okay yeah it was also like musically people started to Remember, I know people started listening to like System of a Down and Corn and stuff suddenly in 2017, 2018. Everyone was like, actually, Corn is good. Kind of reviving like scratchy letters. Oh, yeah. The like death metal lettering. Yeah. Yeah. Also, wait, what is that um, song by Hooba Sting? The Reason? So people started listening to like that again, but yes. in my head, yeah. I, was like, I was like, the song by Yappa Dappa. Hoobastank is like the worst name ever. Like, oh, it just sounds so like rancid. Like, I think of someone on like a boardwalk with like, they're just stank. They're stanky little hoobas. It's a nasty. It's a very grimy, like, (laughs) gross aesthetic because I guess it is kind of inspired by like warehouse raves. Bushwick vibes, um, Bodega vibes, Bernheim vibes, like... If you're not familiar with the area of Bushwick in New York, to just give you a a brief of it, 
It's in Brooklyn, and it's kind of got a post-industrial vibe because a lot of manufacturing used to be there. Weirdly, breweries and canneries, I think, in like the 19th and 20th centuries. And like concrete factories and stuff. Yeah, so it's got a ton of these warehouses that are pretty dilapidated slash abandoned, which is great for nightlife anywhere, as we know. It's a predominantly Latino neighborhood, I would say, now. And it's also really, really cheap to live there. And it's also very accessible by train because it's like an old train depot. They have all these abandoned above-ground train lines. And I think the above-ground train really does flavor the situation because you've got this screeching and abrasive sound of the train everywhere you go and there's no silence. Mm -hmm. And I think that can do a number on your mental health. I lived like right next to the J train and would not recommend. Is there graffiti on the train? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah. that's like aesthetically, it feels like bubble letters, graffiti style aesthetics. Mm-hmm. In fact, this as well, probably influenced some of the mall, mall goth, like ICP vibes or something. And if you're, there's an above ground train, it just makes you constantly aware of the fact that you should be going somewhere, you know, or like, why am I not going somewhere? It's like the high sense of movement of like a rave video <laughs> i don't know what point i'm trying to yeah, make and it's like it's kind of like strobe lights all the time because the train shakes the buildings that it goes by yeah, yeah. and so it's like they're strobing all the time like at a rave that's very true on that note there are a lot of musicians that are very key to this the development of this culture anyone want to take a guess at who there are a lot of like this kind of i think started in like 2015 2016 whenever there was a mass exodus from Tumblr to Instagram when Tumblr was bought up by Yahoo and banned porn. And so everyone kind of moved over to Instagram and started following acts like Princess Nokia, Sega Bodega, Shy Girl, Sophie, Arca, Machine Girl, Earth Eater, Eve's Tumor. And this sort of popularized over the years and pop musicians that were more mainstream uh, started adopting this aesthetic, Willow Smith kind of is Mass Bushwick now. She's definitely on that like Rico Nasty pointed hair. Um, but I actually really want to date this. The biggest moment in this and like the biggest moment this like took hold on the culture was Rihanna's paper magazine cover in 2017 where she has spiked green hair and she's standing in a Bushwick bodega. Um, she's got on these like giant earrings and has an eyebrow piercing, which is also very Mass Bushwick. And is wearing like a revealing top. The the vibes in this too are very like strippery, I think. Cyber stripper vibes. I think a lot of strippers on Instagram were like the early influencers of this aesthetic. Combined with like, I think people like Ugly Worldwide, Slickwoods, those people really pioneered this aesthetic. And it was very like drag centric. The origins, like the true origins are from like the queer community and especially queer people of color probably. Yeah. Because the people we just listed, that's, you know, like Slickwoods, um, Ugly Worldwide. They're like the model side of it, you know? Like I think also there is a period of time where like RuPaul's Drag Race became really mainstream and really popular. And there was a lot of alternative Instagram drag queens that were really known for their crazy makeup looks. And that was sort of influential to people taking their abandoned makeup artist in interest and reigniting it with Sarah's psyche. Yeah, I love the alt beauty wave that came up during this time because it was a very explorer page based. You would see these crazy zoomed in eye looks and you would just be like, gotta follow this person. And also can't understand the importance of alt magazines, dazed ID, 
paper magazine to this movement because they're always spotlighting people like fecal matter and the makeup artist hungry who does bjork's makeup this turning looks economy that was the instagram version of being a club kid except you weren't really going out you were just like taking pictures which is kind of funny it kind of like predated covid vibes in that way because it was definitely giving like bedroom alt yeah i write about that on my blog the the turning looks economy in 2016 and how tired it got at a point but you know these people i think you're discussing were operating on like a higher level than the the lowly plebes i was hanging out with the club kid vibes I, I there was probably like a ton of 90s club kid documentaries circulating on youtube and that was a big thing i remember from watching some of them i, I could not tell you the name at this point but whenever they would interview the the drag queens or, or the club kids they would always be like going out wasn't the fun part it was get, being in your room and getting ready that's all it was for and you basically didn't even have to go out at that point it was more just like the cultural bonding of just sitting in your room and doing your makeup all crazy you just wanted to be seen but your goal was not necessarily partying which is where i think also it's similar to this or an iteration of whatever this is because it's definitely a music scene because there's so many musicians that pioneered this aesthetic, but it seems like the music matters way less than the actual aesthetics of it. Like I couldn't really tell the difference between a lot of the songs and like albums released by these musicians, but I can definitely name off specific photos or album covers or tour flyers that are very memorable. The Arca album came out that has that like very beautiful, colorful face on it. I mean, I wasn't a huge Arca fan at the time, but I remember first summer that image being like seared into my head. It was so impactful, synonymous with the culture, even if you didn't listen to the music. Yeah, when you saw that on someone's last FM, you know, little monthly roundup, you're like, who is that face and where can I talk to her? Yeah, scrabble me. Yeah, there's a lot of medical core like body horror vibes to this because I think it is just so digital and also so queer trans that transhuman aesthetics immediately start to like take hold. Fecal matter, they are known for that weird shoe that they had was basically made your foot look like. Yeah, That's true. Also, everyone yeah. in Bishop was like a nurse for Halloween. I feel like it was either a nurse, a fairy, or a juggalo for the past five years. <laughs> yeah, my friend was... um the nurse from the Blink-182 album. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, and that Halloween night, I was Courtney Love, and I got um, a matching cigarette burns with somebody. Yeah, so on a Bushwick. I feel like now these days, the new, like, Mia Wallace from Pulp Fiction is the girl from The Fifth Element. That movie honestly has mass Bushwick vibes because it has the crazy costuming and futuristic. One thing that I would like to note is that I feel like this is the second evolution of the art ho vibe of maybe like the earlier 2010s or something. But why are secondary colors so prevalent? It's always like orange, green, and purple. Like, is there a reason? Like Because Gen Z is the second generation after millennials. Millennial was the first generation, and now Gen Z is the second. Period. Yeah. That makes sense. Wow. There you go. <laughs> it's very Joker-fied. Oh, and they're also Halloween colors. Yeah. I guess they're also the colors that lend really well to neons. Mm. Yeah, there's no, like, neon red or, like, neon blue. That's a really good point. I think we just yeah. cracked the code. Yeah. Why? Also, I would say that really abrasive blue and red 
is the color of a cop light a, pol- <laughs> a police car so none of that oh yeah the mass bushwickians would say a cab and all that so that's very true um, should we talk about the cultural or ideological basis for this aesthetic? Let's get into it. So I have this theory about the emergence of this. Also, just I for listeners, I've never been to Bushwick. I, I've never set foot in there. I don't know what's going on there. I feel like this is a good panel discussion because Biz and I have both lived in Bushwick and Sam is an outsider but has been affected by the mass Bushwick I don't want to say crisis, but... (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about it in a very deterritorialized sense because obviously this is not reflective of, like, Bushwick, people that are native to Bushwick or people that have lived there prior to its gentrification. Unless it is. Maybe it is. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, it's very telling that I've never lived in New York. I haven't been to New York since I was, like, 12 years old. And I know super well all of the, like, aesthetics and all of the occurrences that are happening there. I don't really even have a deep connection. I know like two people in Bushwick, I but I know exactly what's going on there. People are always like making memes about like mood ring and... I also was in a part of East London yesterday or the other day with somebody and it's like a very Bushwick-esque area and without even like prompting it, she like, we were at this restaurant and she looked out and she was like, you know, this reminds me a lot of Bushwick. <laughs> so it is like a truly worldwide it spreads to the sewers yes yeah no it, it's 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 definitely like digitally infected the majority of the world and everybody whether you're in a small town or like a big city whether in the united states or in europe or you guys definitely have one friend that's wearing a wallet chain and like giant pants and like mesh shirt has made their eyebrows very <laughs> pointy look like ice picks but I think that my personal observation as an outsider seeing this culture infect the beautiful state of Texas is that kind of like in the late 2000s and the early 2010s, there was a pretty significant hardcore and punk scene that established the sort of syndicate of house and DIY venues. And everyone knows these scenes serve the purpose of expressing or letting go of a bunch of impotent anger via jackassery, reckless drug use, petty criminal activity, and like really intense music. But a lot of these scenesters, once it got to maybe like 2014, 2015, started ODing or they got sober because they just like went too hard and all of the, those scenes were like really toxic and stuff. And they started getting replaced with a generation of like Instagram influenced techno electronic homosexuals you know and those venues which were formerly punk venues became rave venues and like dj venues yeah that's interesting because i was doing some research on like 70s uk punk today and the same thing happened with hippie crash pads turned into like punk houses so there is this interesting transition of of like domestic spaces and i don't know spaces like that between subcultures it's cool to track that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's hard to uh, differentiate hardcore scenes from like DIY scenes in some towns because there's so much overlap and just people that are interested in live music and weird vibes. Because I always would be like, oh, going to a house show tonight. And I thought it would be like very indie vibes with projector, but then it would end up being hardcore and I'd be really scared. But the, the rape of kids don't have to worry about it. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. No, yeah, I think like, there was just like such a, like, an overlap period where you didn't know whether the venue was going to be hosting some weird grind 
or metal set or something, or someone playing like beep boop, like computer noises and like. There was like a point when it it was both happening at the same time (laughs) during the same show, same lineup. And that was a crazy time because you'd, you'd have to go from like swaying to like moshing and it was funny. Yeah. Wait, should I talk about my my field work that I did at the Drain Gang concert? Yes. <laughs> because that was actually in Bushwick. That was like probably like the first time I've been to Bushwick this year, I feel like. And it raises interesting questions. It seems like everyone went to this concert and came to the consensus that everyone else who went to this concert really sucks, which I think is just like everyone being super online. But the vibe was very mass Bushwick, you know, bunny hat, mullet, etc. But with like a younger lean to it (laughs) younger lean that was really funny (laughs) that wasn't intentional but there is this kind of weird concert etiquette discourse going on right now where people are questioning if it's okay or respectful to mosh people are allowed to smoke cigarettes near you like everyone complaining that everyone is stinky and sweaty but that kind of is just inevitable like i don't know people need to mentally link the experience of seeing a music artist you like together with the fact that you have to be there with other people yeah no that's the thing too is i think when there is overlap between the I guess like live music to digital music mixture and all these DIY venues there still is this like tumblr carryover woke-ish disapproval over aggression electronic music is like very muted and you can't really mosh to it and so these people have the same basis same like angry tip that a lot of punks did but they don't they can't express it at house shows So they just like express it on social media, cancellation scandals and just disapproval of random things. And it is funny too, because like whenever you go to any venue now, there's always posters everywhere that are like, is somebody staring at you? It's like, (laughs) is somebody standing next to you? Yeah. It's it's really hard to like define a public space as a safe space, which is what a lot of them were angled as at a certain Mm -hmm. point. Yeah, um, I also feel like there's been some kind of revisionist history of the history of alternative scenes. There's this huge thing now of just being like empathy is punk or like caring about your friends is punk. And then also being like punk equals like anti-racist. But I think people are forgetting that like, I don't know, whatever. I'm not that girl on TikTok who academically studied punk or whatever. That is us. Actually. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, a lot of these alternative scenes did relate their aggression to bigotry. So to try to rewrite the I don't know I think it's, it's moving in the right direction but to try to claim that punk has never been about that yeah they like related their aggression to aggression like physical yeah, exactly. aggression yeah no exactly I mean it was like I, I I hate to like talk about this but when I was really younger high school vibes I would go to like DIY sets and stuff and people would get their teeth knocked out and like people would be like pissing everywhere because they thought it was funny it was like dangerous you that was like the whole vibe of it and people were going because it was dangerous now it's like if someone tall is standing in front of you you're gonna go make a call out post online about how the artist is tolerating like misogyny no it is like have your cake and eat it too a little bit that's the basis of a lot of this ideology i think it it, it doesn't really yeah. like you want to be in a crowd but you want every single person in the crowd to think the exact same way you do and like want the exact same thing you want out of concert i don't know yeah i remember like fighting for my life in really crowded pits when i was younger i also remember one time this guy at baby's all right 
kicked me in the face it hurt so bad and I had this giant black eye and my contact fell out so I couldn't see anything Not your contact being on his boot. <laughs> on his um what are the, like red wings or whatever um yeah so Yeah, I escaped the Drain Gang concert, y'all. I just couldn't do it. And I think it's important to note that, like, a lot of this is a matter of taste and, like, what your personal tolerance can be for stuff. I've tried so hard to live the, like, club kid fantasy for the benefit of my friends that are into it, but if raving is not for you, I want you to be empowered and stand up and say that you're not having fun because it really isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People go to shows and stuff to, like, stand outside with their That's friends okay. and smoke cigarettes and gossip. Yeah, Yeah. normalize that part. I don't know. There, there's just such a strange vibe to all of this because all, everything about this aesthetic is very accessible, which is why it's so popular. You can literally find all of the components to a mass Bushwick outfit at, like, any retail store, any Goodwill. I thought that was a really good point about, like, being able to find it at a dollar store because there are a lot of dollar stores in Bushwick where people would shoplift stuff from. And there's also a lot of local, just like they're dollar stores, but they're local, um, not chains and they're huge. And yeah, people would like treat them with some sort of weird fascination. Yeah, you go and like steal butterfly clips or something. Wet and wild glitter. Yeah. It's a very decorative and maximalist aesthetic. It's, I think that's important to note. It's kind of like there's never enough. You can always accessorize an outfit a little bit more. And it's a little bit based on one up ends vibes. Should we talk about gentrification? So I was I was talking I was a little bit blanking on this episode just because it is still so prevalent. It, it's like in the middle of transitioning out within the culture. But it's hard to like retrospect something that's still existing. And the first thing that everybody said when I was asking about it was, oh yeah, like rich parents, the rich parents aesthetic, whatever, um, which I don't think is true universally whatsoever, but there is a stereotype that has emerged from people making GoFundMe's to like move to New York City. Um, and like they get there and then they're shocked because it's kind of dangerous and there's like criminals and muggings and stuff and they had made their GoFundMe to escape a conservative Christian parent household or whatever and like that was their idea of danger before they like moved to Bushwick. It's like a weird form of gentrification because it's very young people depending on outside assistance. It's it's very weird whenever I lived in Bushwick it's definitely a neighborhood that's like so under transition that you can really tell there are like two types of people. There are like the locals and the transplants and that rift is very obvious in everyday life um, mm -hmm. because there, every business is either like kind of serving one or the other, except for the dollar stores where you can buy um, butterfly clips. It's definitely one of the cheapest neighborhoods to live in. It's like, and it's very nightlifey, I think, which is why people think it's worth it to live there if you're super into that scene, mm -hmm. is because it turns into a different place at night or whatever. Um, Bushwick vibes. Oh, I think it's funny. My dad actually lived in Bushwick when he was a kid for five years when it was still like an Italian neighborhood. And back then it used to be like straight up houses. Like it was low-key like a suburb vibe. I feel like I can imagine your dad wearing like one of those little spinny hats and walking around <laughs> Bushwick. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> it's like that scene in The Godfather where they're like at the fruit stand and the Godfather gets shot. <laughs> that was your that was your dad. Um, yeah, he's always trying to get me to go to his like 
preschool there, but I'm like, I don't want to go show up to this dilapidated preschool where they're probably fucking raving outside or inside. <laughs> yeah, the um, preschool got taken over by, like, rogue freedom ravers. <laughs> Definitely. Freedom ravers. No, that, that is, like, the thing, too, is, is like, there's almost, like, a this is another have your cake and eat it, too, justification aspect of this culture is that I think that there's, like, this weird idea about, like, nightlife being a liberatory and, like, political freeing community. And so you have, like, a moral justification for, like, being decadent and moving somewhere and spending all this money just to party and just to go to raves, you know? Yeah, this is also a good thing to, like, connect back to history because I think engaging in kink-adjacent aesthetics slash actual sex and, like, nightlife hedonism makes young queer people feel like they're engaging in a larger sense with queer history because nightlife did used to be a safe space, but I don't think people are realizing that. I feel like gays back then were acting this freakish at night because they were like on the DL or otherwise super repressed by day. They weren't just like trying to freak people out for no reason, which is also fine, I guess, but um, there's definitely something to be said about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's like literally nothing wrong with wanting to move to Bushwick and wanting to party and like wanting to engage in all of these vibes. What's frustrating is this like moral grandstanding and being told that like what you're doing is actually helping society and further it. And you're actually a charity worker going to these raves. Um, and you should donate to my GoFundMe because this is the only safe space where where in, like it's not really that safe but space of a metropolitan like yeah it's like just say you want to be around like-minded people (laughs) like that's okay to admit I think yeah there's literally nothing wrong with that I think there's something about like a warehouse environment or a post-industrial or still industrial environment as well neighborhood that gives people main character energy because it makes sense like your environment's kind of antagonistic you're wearing a really bright outfit there's this juxtaposition that you're internalizing. So I think it does change your brain chemistry. That's something that I, I've been thinking about a lot is it's funny to compare and contrast this with like we talked about Twee and how that was like the earlier I wouldn't say it like the earlier iteration of this, but that was like the last big gentrification hotspot where young artists and creatives kind of gentrified a part of Brooklyn and Bushwick is like a pretty lateral move east of there and it's funny because I feel like Twee and like Williamsburg vibes really romanticized old world Europe, England and France, Western Europe kind of nostalgia but it seems like Bushwick engages with this fantasy of Berlin vibes and like Eastern Europe and you know the post-Demna and Gosha Soviet vibe of it all. (laughs) And the references are so recent, too. That's why I feel like I can't really tell how much of a... It seems like people are just, like, reliving this, like, 90s club kid fantasy. I would say Bushwickian style in the mid-2010s was really, really, really Y2K in early 2000s before the trend of Y2K took off in the late 2010s. And I think we think of, like, hyper-accelerated nostalgia happening specifically with indie sleaze now. But... Early onsetters always do be up to something because early onset. if you think about it, early onsetters. 
It's like early onset Alzheimer's. They literally had early onset Bushwick syndrome. It's the opposite of Alzheimer's. That's so good. Wait, it's the opposite because you like remember too much and you're yeah. obsessed with it. Remember things that are super recent. <laughs> it's like super powered memory. No, that's actually really funny because it's like every 10 years you get like the most distinctive memories of fashion from 10 years ago that like flood your being and you yeah. become obsessed with them. It's <laughs> a horrible curse, dude. Um, that was all I wanted to say. I just thought that there's so much chatter around the hipster revival of like the late aughts and uh how it feels so recent but yeah this hyper accelerated trend cycle's already been working for a while yeah that's true it's got it's such an interesting mix to me of like it's definitely got this cyber tinge to it you know because of the y2k elements and i feel like it also takes a lot of like asian influence from things like fruits magazine and like harajuku style but there's also a lot of like diy elements to it like the recent balaclava wave to me is very mass bushwickian and figures like ella emhoff yeah the diy knitwear and crochet that Um, is also very bushwick i don't know that's another that's another have your cake and eat it too type thing because it's like you don't want to like develop the skills of a craftsman you just want to be able to like smoke weed and like do like a whittling task in like your bedroom floor (laughs) but what i do appreciate about this aesthetic is like it it doesn't it, it is nostalgic, but, like, something about it does feel, like, really new and unique to this period. You know what I mean? It requires a good bit of creativity, like, as opposed mm-hmm. to, I don't know, like, there get elements of a mass Bushwick outfit from, like, Shein or something simply wouldn't make any sense because every part of it is so accessible, like, within probably, like, a 10-mile radius of you. It's more about the combination and, like, juxtaposition of items than any item in itself, so it doesn't really have micro-trends or you know, like, it pieces besides, like, I don't know, a Telfar bag and, like, trip pants. Yeah, I would say that peak mass Bushwick in terms of its coolness was pre-Depop as well, like, Depop popularity. Yeah. So it really was about scavenging on, like, eBay, at different thrift stores, the dollar store. We should go back to Ella Imhoff for a second, though, because she was coined the first daughter of Bushwick. Yeah. And that was obviously the most, that was the, that is probably the most famous mass Bushwick moment ever. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, that is like the ultimate embodiment of what this vibe can be. Is that's why people call it the art school aesthetic, and it, it like why people associate it with like rich parents. Just to even speak in such a complicated, like weird way about everything. I don't know. It's, it's very like academic. I feel like what you're referring to is like it seems like the influence of people that got a lot of degrees in like social work or something. Everyone has like a pretty extensive vocabulary of how to articulate experiences and emotions in a way that's very digestible online and in a way that kind of like flattens experience like terms like accountability and things like that this this squad really also latched onto the term emotional labor Mm. outside of the context of its origins which was like emotional labor was about things like uh working customer service and other expected to smile and yeah yeah. but then it was like it's emotional labor yeah there's the there's the meme that's like i don't know when your roommate's sock (laughs) you've asked your roommate's socks to do the dishes and they like make a gofundme about their toxic home situation (laughs) yeah no i think it is very like randomly bureaucratic in an academic way too it's not just the things that they studied i think it's also the admissions and bureaucratic process of schools First of all, there's like your admissions essay where you have to cultivate this very specific 
sob story so that your school can check off all the boxes and the things that will get funding for them whenever they like show like the inclusivity statistics to the donors. I've noticed that more and more as a as like the mutual aid wave has gone by. I feel like the posts have gotten more and more reductive. And I guess there's the you know, idea that you don't have to like you don't owe anyone like your story or whatever. But I'm also like it doesn't seem right to me to just be able to like literally post a block of text that says like black queer need money. And there's also so many people that have ruined that for people that actually need it. There's just been so many scandals over the years of people just like, because it's so easy to scam off of that. Like, it's like really tempting, I'm sure, to just like start asking for money. And it's so easy to just like cultivate like the perfect, perfectly replicable sob story. I can't tell if this is Mass Bushwick or not, but there's a more palatable Gen Z kind of strain of the style that isn't really influenced so much by like punk and grunge and like the darker side of like techno, whatever. But it's more like Marc Jacobs, Heaven, mm-hmm. Baby T, like Moa Lola, Trucker Hat, Beaded Necklace. It's like high saturation, lots of accessories. Yeah, it's still neon, but it's like pastel neon or something, if that's even a, a real term. It's, maybe it's just like the LA version or it's more influenced by Pinterest versus Instagram, but I feel like I've seen a lot of formerly hardcore Bushwickians age into this too, as they realize their vibes are like a little bit creepy and off-putting. Um, it feels like a little bit somehow influenced by all that basic. Yeah, 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 for sure. Maybe. And it's very clicky-clacky, like you said. It has a lot of baubles and rings and a resin. Yeah, like Bella Hadidas and people like Enya, that like Instagram girl who used to be on Vine. Yeah, Enya. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what, though? I think there's like a weird thing with this is like there was almost like a schism within Mask Bushwick where like some people took like the Y2K aspects of it and that's whatever you're talking about. And then like Drain Gang just took like deleted all the Y2K and just stuck with yes. like the ICP yeah. clowncore like Hot Topic vibes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Drain Gang one is so much more well suited to online, like all of these glitch edits and like mm-hmm. obscuring your actual like identity. But I feel Y2K, like yeah. Art Ho 2.01 is very Instagrammable and very like kind of pretty and clean and decorative. Yeah, like you could wear it to the office and be like the Gen Z employee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also would say that Bel Hadid is that genre that we're talking about of this evolved mass Bushwick. But then she's also going back to like the roots of Bushwick fashion because she looks so much like Earth Eater now with her like slicked back braids and her rectangular seeing glasses yeah Yeah. so it's so interesting to see that play out on her like a reversion back to something more uh startling I guess you could say or more avant-garde yeah well these people I think are just more interested in fashion whereas like drinking is more interested in the music side it's like because that's really what is really successful in editorial is just like in terms of like algorithmic engagement high saturation visually stimulating and busy images just naturally get more engagement and more views like the algorithm pushes us forward and that's why like every magazine that you can think of has adopted this aesthetic and it's just like been editorialized into the ground 
And it's like so easy to like slay with this, which is like my biggest criticism of this. It's like, easy to slay. it's like a little bit too easy to just like cultivate a slay with this. And just like, what, what's the, is it interview that's just like doing the, oh no, it's paper that's doing like the, all the online, like oh, yeah, they like just have like call baddie. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a look to editorials now that is so easily replicable. And I see a lot of like younger people you know, like if you look up like editorial photo shoot on Pinterest, it's these like kind of paper texture, like collagey, distorted. It's got like a grid and like some ray flyer graphics over it. My theory with this, and I'm gonna get a little bit Kim Kardashian. Nobody wants to work anymore. <laughs> nobody wants to slay these <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, nobody has the balls to slay. No one wants to get up and slay, but. Um, <laughs> The thing is, is like, I also understand because it's like, there's so much like creative labor now. Mm -hmm. um, that's like a lot of jobs, it's just like, like creative jobs. And that's like one of the most impossible things to do is just like force yourself to be creative on a daily basis. So you do need to find a way of like streamlining that process. Yeah. Because can, you can't just like force artistic inspiration. Like you need to find like hacks for that whole thing. Like yeah. and inspiration and referencing is definitely a hack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Or just like knowing how to distort your photos in a way that makes them more eye-catching. Mm -hmm. Take mm -hmm. some of the impetus of you. Like you don't have to go find a really interesting place to take your photos. You don't have to necessarily have a different outfit that's new. If you can distort it visually for instagram or wherever you're posting it and also there's like a, a weird like mass bushwick overproduction problem where like all the components really are just like so accessible so easily produced and like your like editorial budget like you could just go into like the fucking like warehouse of whatever magazine you're working at and just like pull out the last chain mail tank top and like put a, a celebrity in it and everyone will be like yes you know like yeah. just get like amazon string lights or something or like those amazon lights that like just change colors and then you got like a we need the sunset lamp for sure yeah the sunset lamp. Oh, we need to get like a sponsorship with them they seem to sponsor a lot of stuff oh, i would love that i yeah. feel like the new mew mini skirt is say. not mass bushwick but it definitely has some the mimetic qualities that we're talking about where it does feel constructed specifically for Instagram. There's been a lot of analysis on this already, but yeah, there definitely seems to be something there. One thing I was going to say is that I feel like in addition to, you know, the visual aesthetics and then also the social um, dynamics of Mass Bushwick, there's also like humor, which I feel like is one of its major yeah uh propelling forces and i think the popularity of meme pages like patia's fantasy world and on a downward spiral like these pages that have like hundreds of thousands of followers they like say stuff about myrtle broadway and i'm like how are all of you relating to this <laughs> there's no way that like all of you even know what this is <laughs> and like yeah the whole like your non-binary roommate sock kind of humor but then there's also this real compulsion for cringe and referencing constantly of things that are cringe in different ways, but it's kind of all from like the same subsect, like the adoption. It's almost like a like post band kid humor, like furries and cat boys, deviant art interests, like Invader Zim and My Little Pony. And then there's also like the Facebook memes or like Whisper app memes, mm -hmm. the overabundance of emojis, um, thinking things like Fortnite and Minecraft and minions are like really funny. And I think that's interesting. Have we, did you guys watch the TikTok of this guy, Luke Blobad? Do you know who he is? I looked at his page. He reminds me of um the Instagram page. Is it 
spinal fluid oh yeah spinal fluid beds yeah yeah they're very similar for reference (laughs) i won't say we'll link him here because i don't know but um he's this (laughs) former skater who's like found popularity on tiktok for making these like fit check videos where he combines like a spongebob t-shirt and like a giant furry hat with like rick owens geo baskets and fuzzy leg warmers and they're in these very like fast-paced like edits and always have like Playboy Cardi or something in the background. That like annoys me. I do understand why it's so good for giving views and engagement, but it's literally just ripping that classic Facebook post that's like the minion or the uh, spot like dominion today. or no, it's no, it's Dominion or Debal. Dominion or Debal. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't know. They, they should respect their forefathers a bit more. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. I do think that like uh I for some reason I think there's like nothing funnier than like among us because i'm stupid but like things that you know those kiosks in the mall would sell he's like always always wearing them like a shirt with mickey mouse hands that says like i'm hers you know have you all seen those backpacks with like those like popping what do you what are those like things the poppet yeah those poppet backpacks yeah i saw like this giant poppet among (laughs) us backpack at the store the other day and i was like oh my god I need to like get that and like sell it on Depop for three hundred dollars. Like someone will I buy it. I feel like there's gonna be like a, a boom and like pop it related. <laughs> they're like the opposite of a choking hazard, though. They're like one giant thing that's like a really <laughs> soft and flexible material. No, they make small ones though. Yeah, but like a kid is way more likely to choke on a Lego than like a giant pop it. Like, how's he even gonna f- fit that in his mouth? Kids these days yeah. don't know what Legos are though, because that's, that's like um, about physics that's and so architecture, crazy. and poppets <laughs> are about like uh, stimming. But it's like Minecraft is literally based on Legos. If only they knew like you know blocks that are different colors are actually real. See, kids these days will never know what it's like to step on a Lego, and they've only ever stepped on a poppet. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping on a poppet would be so satisfying. Like it would just all pop, and they'd probably think that's. It's like, like yeah, it's like stepping on bubbles. <laughs> um, no, I'm like low key really scared about you. This about is like the, about po- yeah, I am. I'm like terrified because it's just my like my brother's weird. addicted to poppets. It's really like mm-hmm. such a shitty interest because it doesn't even like you can't even accrue knowledge about it. It's just like you just want more poppets. No, it's it's just a self soothing behavior that should just be like isolated within like the infant period of your life and you're just like kind of carrying on like infancy um, patterns of like sucking people, your thumb and stuff people in bushwick did think fidget spinners were really funny when that was a thing though oh yeah yeah that kind that kind of was worldwide cultural lol though like well, people just, really thought it was very funny yeah. i just i think like these people are so these people not to say that i think but like the, this culture <laughs> i'm sorry is like known to be so like sensitive that, like they ironically get into like self-soothing like pacifier toys but they actually just like really appreciate the sentiment behind it because they enjoy like self-soothing comfort and like perfectly cushioned lifestyle i don't think it's just these hoes though because like i'm thinking about how squishmallows which are a very popular type of like plush Oh, yeah, figurine <laughs> um like that is an infantilization of a normal stuffed animal and a poppet is an infantilization of a lego and everything yeah. goes round and it's squished. also like an infinite bubble wrap like they found a way mm-hmm. to commodify something that you would just like play with for free or like give your kids to have a fun time with it they made it infinite and ongoing i went to my friend's kids house or my friend my friend's house with kids and she had like this giant plastic drawer with just like 
dozens and dozens of poppets and like the kids were just like pulling them out and like showing each one of them to me and I was like this is a terrifying occurrence like they're this is the last thing I'll say about it but I do think like the acceptance in society of like fidget toys is really interesting because I feel like like the guidance counselor at my school when I was in high school was like giving fidget spinners to like the kids that had ADHD and being like this should help you in class and I feel like convincing kids that like their toys are actually stress relieving like I'm like what the fuck are you guys stressed about it occupies a weird space in society that like the marketing surrounding it is just like god it's not fucking stress relief like it's just it's self-care culture for infants it's stimming for everyone i'm like a fidgety person i would say um and i think people should have to go through the experience of like realizing that you've actually like destroyed a straw wrapper and like minced it into bits at dinner and it's like embarrassing or like you have an eraser at school that you've like destroyed <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you need to you need to feel the destruction that your little meaty paws are capable of no, it's, it's good true. because it's kind of environmental you know poppets will never they're Spiral so non-biodegradable you should only fidget with things that are biodegradable that's my yeah. that's my definitive yeah stance. like i agree and i think also, fidgeting okay, should no, have we're getting... consequences <laughs> 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 i was just gonna say that like like another form of this is people being obsessed with toads and frogs like they're also like oh, environmental yeah. fidget toys yeah I mean, um, oh god okay i need to go to bed soon because it's okay. 12 37 here oh my god. and okay. i have to rise and grind tomorrow so we should definitely um think of some slay questions to end on oh my god okay um i have a question for sam specifically yeah. Oh my so, god, okay. As, as someone with the curly hair, how do you feel about the natural hair movement for white people and the mass texturization of white hair and how everyone has a curly shag mullet that was hiding in disguise? Okay. I mean, I just personally, I get, I get like, annoyed without any, like, real justification for it because um, I've struggled with this, like, my whole life. like a and, fake like, freckles. No, I know. It's like, I was making fun of my hair and, like, also, doing my hair, it, I, it takes me an hour every single day. Like, that's how long it takes to take care of curly hair. Like, I don't have a choice. Like, it's always sucked. Um, but also, you know, that's fine. Like, if people want to have curly hair, like, whatever. Like, I, I like, accept you, like, taking on my struggle. But I do feel kind of bad because it, like, a lot of these girls, it's just, like, girls that are not brushing their hair. And they're, like, my hair is curly and I'm not, I'm not going to brush it. And it's, like, dude, like, I just think that it's a like a bad practice i didn't brush my hair when i lived in bush yeah same kind of my hair was always so greasy because it was accepted by that community <laughs> um yeah my hair i never brushed i like didn't own a hairbrush yeah. i thought it was really onto something so yeah. i guess it is encouraged mm-hmm. i just should we say something nice about this I feel like, I don't know. I want to say something nice about this Wait, trend. Yeah, let me say something nice about this, which is I've very much lived through this yeah. culture, experienced it, and, and, and had some amazing, amazing times with people who still dress this yeah, way and live this lifestyle. So peace and love. Like, no, it can be really, really fun. So, mm-hmm. and also like, yeah, you should. Really do pull it off very well. Yeah, and if you want to wear it, you should definitely Be wear liberated. it. liberated. But I will say, yeah. not to sound like a mom, but when I was going through this phase, yeah. I bleached my brows, first of all. And I just was always wearing really, like, weird shit. Girl! And my mom, like, sat me down and had a talk with me, and she was like, some of your friends can pull off this, like, grunge alternative look, but you just really can't. And I thought she was just being, like, kind of a prude. But I think she was right. Bleaching your brows isn't for everyone, and sometimes it's okay to accept... I feel like it's like weirdly like anti-individuality because I just wasn't aware of the fact that my face is special no matter what I do. Um, but also, 
yeah, I see girls with bleach brows now and I'm like, you'll get over it. Yeah. No, that's one thing too, is like, this is, I appreciate any type of like youthful culture, no matter how much mm-hmm. toxicity is like involved in it. I think you kind of do need to like live through those struggles as like a youthful person. Yeah. And, and attempts at self-expression can be kind of messy or like cringe looking back on it, but yeah. I would not discourage anyone from... Yeah, I wouldn't have traded like all the bleaching and dyeing and crazy outfits I wore during my time with this aesthetic for like the world. It was really yeah, it was fun. fun. Um, yeah, and you will look back on it and appreciate it one day. So, True. You know, even if you look back and like you're a year out and you think it's cringe, it doesn't. Also, matter. it adds a lot of nuance to your world perspective. I think because you've been through so many like emotionally yeah, like. Risk, risk of cancellation and like just you also make yourself ugly <laughs> yeah you make yourself ugly like it helps you like appreciate yourself and then also just like adds a level of like nuance and critical thinking I think after just like escaping the jaws of like a wall of text mm-hmm. Instagram story post you know um also yeah some of it does slay like it does like some of some of y'all do turn looks yeah like. it definitely slays I mean there's a <laughs> There's a reason that Addison Ray is listening to Arca, and there's a reason that mm-hmm. um, like Belle Hadid wants to look like Earth. Yeah, Eater, so. true. Also, the movie Batman was, I feel like, also one of our mass Bushwick inspirations because it, yeah, it basically takes place in Bushwick. There are like underground raves and above ground train lines, and it's always raining, and there's a lot of crime, <laughs> and there's trash on the subway. <laughs> And, and you know, you Zoe. can romanticize that. Oh yeah, Zoe Kravitz lives in a queer, toxic roommate situation where they haven't paid their bills in like six months and there are a bunch of cats all over the place eating out of the open fridge. And yeah. it looks like a loft. Yeah, It's like loft so, You know, even superheroes can be mass Bushwick and change the yeah. world. But I do want to say, yeah. mm, yes. guys, it's if you want, like, it's y'all can transition into something else because this is something <laughs> going on for a little bit too long. Time, time to move on. I thought you were just going to say y'all can transition, period. <laughs> yeah. Y'all can also do that. I don't know. Yeah. Respectfully move on, please. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, not, no, it's not no, a one-size-fits-all aesthetic. I think sometimes the self-expression can get lost in just like desire to differentiate yourself from your former vibe. I would say that's what my eyebrow bleaching and like freak moment with cargo pants was. Um, but that to be said um that, that, that doesn't make sense if you if you know yourself you'll find yourself this above all I'm wearing cargo pants right now from my my mass bushwick era guys you ha- you have to flop to fly Ooh, amen dude. it's always darkest before the it's always floppest before the sleigh <laughs> what I'll say. it's so true it's so true um would you guys rather eat at the, <laughs> oh, back, baby. The, the, the Popeyes in East Williamsburg or the, Alexi, I'm going to need your help. I like, can't We're remember just... any Bushwick. The main Popeyes famous. is the one that's in on like Myrtle Broadway. I like the, I would want to go to the Myrtle Broadway one because I've just seen so many memes about it. I want to see this place for myself. It's so skinny. Because the East Williamsburg one is much bigger and much nicer. Yeah, the Myrtle Broadway one is basically like a ghost kitchen. Like there's no place to sit down and eat in there. Yeah. I'll find a way, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get behind Um, the counter and start cooking. I'll turn it into like the airport. I'm trying to Um, think of another mouse pusher question. Would you rather be sentenced to two years of knitting balaclavas or two years of being a dj mm, knitting balaclavas that sounds like fun 
Yeah. I feel like I want to be a DJ right now. I feel like I'd mess up my sleep schedule. Um, well, that's happening to me yeah. right this second. So <laughs> I'm like yeah, being primed for DJ the DJ right lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, I think I would knit balaclavas just because I feel like I could um, really support myself more. Uh, would you guys rather go to a party called Tinder Hellscape that I hosted in 2016 or a party called um, Socks Hellscape? <laughs> I would go to Socks Hellscape and make them do the dishes after I use a lot of different cups to make a complicated cocktail for myself. Okay, yeah, I second that. That sounds like fun, dude. Okay, well, I wouldn't have invited you guys to my party anyways. I think I'm, I'm, I'm working on one. I never come up with a would you rather questions. Yeah, I really like... towards the end of the episode, yeah, I'm just like, like this is actually, This is actually, this is like, this part of this show is like I my know. time to shine it's also like my <laughs> Wait, time we haven't to even do... said anything about 100 gags i feel like they're responsible for like the cringe core wave oh yeah oh yeah i have a question yeah what's your question would you guys rather be the 101st <laughs> gag or the drain and drain gang definitely the gag the drain. oh i think i'd rather be the drain I'd rather the be things the drain. that drain would see you know sure. <laughs> the things that drain would see um, because I feel like 101 is a lot, and like I, it's kind of like 101 Dalmatians. Dalmatians <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's. I think I'd find taken. solace in community, you know. Okay, that's very that's very empathy is punk. And being one of the geckos. What the fuck um, does that even mean, bro? Uh, I think it's supposed to be like geckos is the thing. Um. Wh- wait. 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 <gasps> wait. I have a. I have a good one. Would you rather do a night shift at opening ceremony or a morning shift at Cafe Forgot? Are you kidding me. Opening ceremony is like a mecca, rest in peace. So I'd much rather work in the basement there at night. I don't know what either of those things are, so. I'm going to answer for Sam and say opening ceremony. I don't think she, she would like Cafe Forgot. I trust you. <laughs> I'd say an, an early morning at Cafe Forgot. I think maybe just because it's called a cafe, I think I would have a pastry. What if they forget <laughs> to give you the keys so you can't get it? <laughs> what if they forget to take my order <laughs> at the Cafe Forgot? <laughs> Would you rather go to a Zoom rave or um, a Zoom date with Saul? <laughs> <laughs> a one-on-one. <laughs> Guys, we're giving away a Zoom date. I wonder if there actually is any like non-binary person that's actually named Saul. It's gotta be at least one, dude. Hey, but this is this isn't our joke. Like this is um, this joke like belongs to the culture the way that Mass Bushwick does. Yeah. So it's not like we're yeah. singling out yeah. Saul. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering. Like, I I feel like we should have sock as a guest. Yeah, sock tell all. Um, I would rather go on a, a one-on-one date with sock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Zoom rave thing did evangelize like a generation of youths into mass Bushwick because like everyone had their LED lights and like little rave outfit on in their Zoom square. I'm trying to think of like a hyper local Bushwick question, but now that I'm on a different continent i really don't remember anything just kidding that's not true oh yeah um, also we should announce that this is an international podcast now should we yes because mm. international as in um bushwick yeah transatlantic yeah sure you guys can guess what yeah. that means but I'm, okay would you rather hmm i'm trying to think of like funny bar questions alexi but oh carmelo's Oh, Carmelo's is fun. Okay, would you rather a skater, um, hmm, break his skateboard over your head at Carmelo's, or, um, 
a DJ trying to strangle you with his headphones at Bossa Nova Civic Club? <laughs> um, honestly, the skateboard, just because I feel like I love physical comedy, and that would be <laughs> very, I feel like people would respect me more after that happened, it would be like a jackass moment, like, bro, like, that's so sick, everyone would take a video, or like a flash close-up of like my bloody eye or something, and it would get turned into an edit, but like, I feel like the strangulation by DJ Cord would just result in me being like, I was assaulted. <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's definitely very true because I feel like you'd have like yeah like bruises and stuff yeah so um I guess I agree with what you like what you said logically makes sense mm-hmm. but there's this really good painting of someone getting strangled at the Met with a scarf so it could be <laughs> yeah you could be in the, the bushwick wing of the mat all right sure. Sam, you can have the last question and an homage to the deterritorialization of mass bushwick yeah i don't know guys like um i'm really bad at these would you rather questions like i haven't really been i don't know i'm like i don't know oh, no it's gonna take me a second i need to start thinking about it doesn't it. have to be related to bushwick it can be related to anything from the document like it can be like would you rather have oh yeah yeah that's how i come up with them i just scroll through the document <laughs> Oh, I see. That's not how I come up with mine. I come up with mine from somewhere (laughs) deep inside. Well, I have a two monitor setup. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I have so much chicken left, bro. Let me see. I don't know. I feel like I'll cover all the ones that I would like. Um, Would you rather be a POC or (laughs) Would you rather be a POC or a trans femme? Yeah. Oh. Um, Would you rather get stuck in between the tooth gap of Sleek Woods or, um, I don't know. God damn I have it. a good one. You can yeah. steal this one from me. You can steal this one. Yeah. Okay. Do you rather have to go? It's like, would you rather have to go to a zine fair in the middle of August every single day for the rest of your life or a house show um, for the rest of your life? Like every every night. Every day for the rest of your life? Every night for the rest of your yeah. Um, a zine fair every day. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's the, that's the, it's like you have to do it. So that's your answer? No, I would feel like, but it's like a house show because I feel like I could find one of the bedrooms and just like sleep in there and it, it wouldn't be that much of like an imposition. The zine fair would take up a lot of my time and I wouldn't be able to do anything in the daytime. Thinking about art book fair. They're always the same zines. <laughs> it's like art book fair, so it's super, super hot and you see everyone from dating apps there. Yeah, no, definitely house show. I could hide out in one of the bedrooms. I could do that too, but I could just pretend to be studying one of the. That's the thing about art book fairs. Like, no, you don't get to fucking read them. Like, it's not like a library. You just have to be mm-hmm. like, oh, this looks like a cool little book, and like, yeah, snatch it. Venmo up. someone for it. Um, but I do think the amount of stimuli there is more suited to my taste, because I would just read, pretend yeah. to be reading. Okay. I don't like. I feel like that was too much standing. There's a lot of sitting opportunities there. But... I would pretend to be disabled and get in a wheelchair yeah okay. well guys this one goes out to everyone that's in bushwick yeah god bless y'all you guys should mix this episode into your next dj set yeah yeah yeah, yeah. hope you guys we we missed you during our, our little break and um much love we love you yeah we love you guys we love you guys Bye. drop the bass <laughs> <laughs> Hi, podcasters of the world who listen to my daughter, Alexi. I just want to let you know that I love her very much. I'm very proud of her. And 
you are listening to somebody very, very special since she was born. <laughs> I love you all. Bye-bye. <laughs>